Well, hello, friends. Uh, my name is Brian. If you don't know me, I'm one of the lead pastors here at Walnut Hill. And it's just a privilege again to be able to share God's word with you. We are in our series that we've been calling Red Letters. It's the words of Jesus and the gospel of Luke. Uh, we as a church have been in a season that we're calling Ignite Compassion. We've been asking the Lord to teach us to be compassionate people. And in our world today, right now, we have a great environment for us to really show compassion to our world, to our neighbors, to our friends. Whether it's through a, a letter written or a meal delivered, this is an opportunity for the ch church to rise up, for the, this to be the church's finest hour as we demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. As we've been in this series that we've been calling Red Letters, we've been praying a prayer uh, that the Lord would give us eyes to see. We want to be able to see people the way he sees them. We also want to be able to see God moving so that we can join in and partner with him. And so I'm praying that through this series, you've had many opportunities to see God move in your midst and join him in what he's doing to bless those around you. Today, we come to the very last words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, and this is going to conclude our series. Next week, we're going to start a brand new sermon series called Hearing God for Others. It's a five-week series where we really uh, ask the Lord to teach us to hear Him better. You know, our God speaks today, and we want to have better ears to be able to hear Him speak and I think this is a very timely series that we're going to step into as well as we're at our homes, as we have more time on our hands, that hopefully as we come out of this season, we would be better in our understanding of knowing how to hear God's voice. But today, we're in our Red Letters series. We're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 49. And this is what Jesus says in this very last verse uh, here in Luke's gospel. He says this, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Let's just pause and say a quick prayer. Lord, we pray today that through this message you would just uh, bless your people. Lord, that you'd convict us and change us, that you'd call us to great things through it. I pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Well, you know, friends, as people, we love having the inside information. We love being the first people to be told a story. You can think about maybe in your own journey, in your own life, when somebody comes to you and shares something first, how special you feel. Maybe it's somebody coming to you and saying, hey, we want you to know you're the first one we're telling that we're pregnant. Or maybe they come to you and say, hey, we just got engaged. You're the first to know Maybe somebody comes to you and says, you know what, We're, I'm changing my job. I got a new job offer. You're the first to know. And in that moment when they tell you you're the first to know, there's this great excitement. Wow, I'm an important person in their life. But oftentimes it's followed by these words that are hard for us to hear. But you can't tell anybody. You have to wait. I'm telling you first, but we've told nobody else. Don't tell anyone. This is what Jesus does to the disciples here in chapter 24. Now imagine being one of the disciples. You're in the upper room. You've locked the doors because your leader has been put to death. Jesus has been put to death. Now you're here in this upper room. You're mourning. You're confused about it. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the room. 
Think about how the atmosphere changes in that moment. All of a sudden, excitement, joy re-enters the room. Jesus is alive. He shows you his hands. He eats with you. He speaks with you. He opens the truth again with you. Your minds are open to the whole thing. There's great excitement that Jesus is alive. And then he says this, hey, listen, you're going to receive the promised gift of my father. It was promised to you a long time ago, but you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But, but you have to wait here until you receive it. Oh, there's this great news. I'm sure the disciples wanted to run out and tell everybody about it. But Jesus says, but first you have to wait now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here until you receive the power on high. What happens next? Well, Jesus takes the disciples to Bethany. They have a little visit there. A lot happens in Bethany. You can read about it in Luke's gospel, the other gospels. This is the hometown of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And so you, you get an understanding of the different stories that take place there. Then they begin to return back to Jerusalem, but they stop at the Mount of Olives. And here Jesus blesses the disciples, and then he ascends to heaven. At this moment, the disciples go back into Jerusalem. They go into the temple, and it says that they stay there. They remain there praising God until the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. And then the Holy Spirit comes and fills all of the believers in that moment. This amazing story that takes place. I want to answer two questions today as we look at Jesus' words here. And the first question is this, why did the disciples wait? And the second question is, why did the disciples need to wait? Those are two different questions. Why did they wait? And then why did they need to wait? And as we answer these two questions, we're going to be talking about the Spirit today, the filling of the Spirit, the coming of the Spirit, and how we're in need of the Spirit. But let's start with this first question. Why did the disciples wait? Remember, Jesus told them, you have to wait here. And it took 10 days before the, the Holy Spirit came, that promised gift came. Why did they wait? Why didn't they just run off and tell everybody everything about Jesus? Tell them that the Holy Spirit was coming? Why didn't they go to all the different towns in the region? Over 10 days, they could have gotten to lots of different locations. Why didn't they just go out? Why did they decide? Side to wait. Let me give you a couple reasons why. And the first is this, and this is important in our discipleship and our walk with the Lord as well to learn these lessons. The first reason why they, they waited was because Jesus told them to wait. As simple as that. Jesus told them to wait, so they obeyed. I think up at this point, the disciples had learned a very important truth. And the truth is this, is that when they listened to Jesus, great things happened. They knew at this point in their walk, in their journey, that when they obeyed Jesus, great things happened. Jesus said, hey, go get that water. And then he turned it into wine. He said, hand out this bread and fish. And they did. And it multiplied and they fed thousands of people. Come out on the water. Peter did. And he was able to walk on the water. Stretch out your hand. And when the man did, his hand was completely healed. Go and heal the sick. Deliver people from demons. And when the 72 went out and obeyed Jesus in that command, they came back with great joy because of all the things that the Lord did in and through them. The disciples had learned to this point that when they obeyed Jesus, great things happened. 
Friends, I wanna tell you, when we obey Jesus, great things happen. On the other side of your yes to Jesus, the Lord can move mountains. On the other side of your yes, your obedience to Jesus, great things happen. I wonder today, what is the Lord calling you to? See, sometimes I think we overcomplicate our faith. We wonder about, well, what's the Lord calling me to? And what should we do in this moment? And sometimes we overcomplicate it. We overthink it. And actually, Jesus has told us what we're to do. He's revealed it in his word. If you're wondering what the Lord's called us to, then read through the gospels. Jesus is very clear what we're to do. We're to forgive our, our, those who hurt us. We're to love our enemies. We're to go out and preach the good news of Jesus. He's very clear about what we're to do. The question is, are you going to obey in your situation, in the season you're in, in the things the Lord is calling you to? Will you obey? And, and I believe strongly that if you say yes to the Lord, you're going to see him do great things in and through you. So what is the Lord calling you to today? What has he placed on your heart specifically? What's the, the next right step for you right now? And will you say yes? The second reason I believe the disciples waited in this moment. Why did they wait? Well, they waited because Jesus told them to. But the second reason is this, is that they, they waited because Jesus made a promise to them. And they knew at this moment that if Jesus made a promise, he was going to fulfill that promise. Now let's rewind a little bit and let's remember where the disciples were about a month earlier. About a month earlier, they were, uh, you know, they saw Jesus go to the cross, but then they scattered all over the known world. And they, some of them went back to fishing. Some of them were walking towards Emmaus. And then they, uh, they came back and they were in this upper room and they were confused. They were, they were mourning. Uh, they, they forgot the promise that Jesus had made. They forgot the promise that Jesus had made. You see, on three separate occasions that we know of, Jesus made this promise to them. He said, listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise three days later. And he told this to them specifically, but they didn't have the ears to hear this because it didn't match up with their understanding of what the Messiah would do and who the Messiah would be. But Jesus clearly made that promise. I'm going to rise on the third day. And what did Jesus do? He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He went to the cross. He, he died. But then three days later, he rose from the dead. And now he appeared before his disciples. And as he appears before the disciples, I would imagine the disciples in this moment going, listen, we are going to recommit our lives to never doubt any promise that Jesus gives. And so now Jesus is standing before them and he says, listen, these are my, my last words here to you while I'm here on earth. Um, I'm going to give you this gift, the promised gift that the Father promised of the Holy Spirit, but you need to wait. Wait here until you receive this, this gift of the power of the Holy Spirit. I think the disciples are thinking to themselves, we're going to wait here because he's promised something. We're not going to blow it a second time here. Or we're not going to scatter. We're not going to run out ahead of the Lord. He's told us to wait. We're going to wait. And I believe they waited with great anticipation of what was going to come. And notice how they waited. It says they went to the temple and they praised God. They weren't bored in their waiting. No, they praised God in their waiting, knowing that he was going to deliver on his promise. Why? Because Jesus was a promise keeper. I think they would have waited a hundred days. I think they would have waited a thousand days, trusting that this promise 
was true. Luckily for them, they only had to wait 10 days, and the Lord gave them this gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, these disciples, they waited because they knew Jesus would fulfill this promise. Why would he stop fulfilling his promises in this moment? Our God is a promise keeper. Imagine these disciples in, in the temple praising God with this great anticipation of the promised Holy Spirit coming. They isolated themselves in the temple. They praised God They waited with great anticipation, and then on the 10th day, the Holy Spirit came and it was given to them. You know, as I was thinking about this and reflecting on this, I felt like the Lord had a a word for us in this moment. Just think about this. The disciples, they isolated themselves. They're in isolation in the temple, praising God. That was their posture. You know, friends, we find ourselves in a moment where we're isolated. We're in our homes What's our posture? Will we praise God? This is what the disciples said. They were praising God. They were waiting with anticipation the promise that Jesus had made them. I wonder in this, if this is a season for us to wait in anticipation of the promises that Jesus has, has made to us, that we might receive these promises. The Holy Spirit came and, and then they went out. See, friends, I think that this is a moment maybe where the Lord wants to reignite the promises of God in your heart and in your life. In this season of waiting, in this season of isolation, in this season of solitude, in this season where you can really seek the face of God, that this is a special and unique time in history where the promises of God are going to be made real in your heart, in your life. Let me share some of the promises of God. Friends, you are loved. In Isaiah 54, it says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace removed. The promise of God is that you are loved. In this season of waiting, in this season of isolation, receive this promise. You are loved. The Lord has made a promise also that we are not alone. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, he says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Maybe today in this season, you need to receive this promise that the Lord, your God, is with you. The Lord gives us a promise that he gives rest to the weary. In Isaiah 40, he says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. This is a promise of God. When you turn to the Lord, when you place your hope in God, Your strength is renewed. I pray that in this season of waiting, in this season of isolation, you might receive this promise of God. It's a guarantee. Turn to him. Your strength will be renewed. The Lord promises to give us wisdom. In James 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. The Lord promises that he will forgive us of our sins. In 1 John chapter 1, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The Lord promises that he will meet all of our needs. In Philippians 4, 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Our God is a promise keeper, friends. And in this season of this season of waiting, this season of isolation, my prayer is that the promises of God would reignite in your heart, in your life. Why did these disciples wait? Because Jesus told them to. 
And they knew when they obeyed Jesus, great things happened. But also because Jesus promised them something. He promised them the gift of the Spirit. And they knew this promise was worth waiting for. Which leads to my second question. Why did they need to wait? This is a very different question. Why did they need to wait? And the answer is very simple. Because they needed this gift. They needed the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the disciples knew that if Jesus told them to wait, that Jesus had something to give them, and that this something that Jesus was going to give them was worth waiting for, and that they needed this gift. Friends, you know, as Christ followers, we need the gift of the Spirit. We can't go without it. And this was a promised gift. Notice Jesus says, the promise that the Father has made about the giving of the Spirit, it's going to happen. The disciples would have known this well. You see, the Lord promised a prophet, and it was the prophet Joel. And we can read about it in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And the Lord promised this prophet to give this word to the people that he would pour out his spirit. In fact, the words go like this. The Lord says, I will pour out my spirit upon everyone. This was the promise that everyone was waiting for, the promise of the presence of God in their life. You see, in the Old Testament, up until Jesus comes and up until the the gift of the Spirit is given, people experience the gift of the Spirit, uh, particular people at particular times for particular reasons. But they knew that there was this day when there was going to be greater fulfillment of the presence of God in their lives for all people. They were longing for it. They were praying for it. And so now Jesus says, listen, that promise that the Lord gave Joel is going to come to fulfillment, that the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the very presence of God was going to be poured out upon all people. So now you can imagine the anticipation of the disciples in the upper room as those doors, uh, and I mean in the temple, as they were rejoicing and praising God. They were praising God because they knew that God was going to come again, his presence through his Spirit. A.W. Tozer, who I would encourage you to read if you're looking for something to read in this season, pick an A.W. Tozer book and and read it. It's going to bless you. But he says this, if the disciples went off trying to preach and bring the good news of Jesus pre-Pentecost, that's before the Spirit came, they would have been able to make disciples in the image of themselves at best. See, the disciples knew they needed this gift if they were going to really carry out the mission of God. They could have gone out, but they would have just created their kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. They needed the spirit of Christ to fill them in order to make disciples of Christ. Friends, the truth is this. If if the disciples did not wait to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, they would have launched a church without the Lord. Now, I'm sure this has happened in the history of the world. I'm, I'm sure it's happened where somebody has gotten into their car and gone to work and they opened their door before they went into work and they, they took their first steps onto the pavement. And as they did, they noticed that they forgot to put their shoes on. I imagine that probably has happened somewhere. If it happened to you, put it in the chat. We want to know. We want to pray for you. But I'm sure it's happened somewhere in this world where somebody forgot to put their shoes on. Now, here's the thing. I'm sure that person was able to get by. Maybe it was a little bit embarrassing. Maybe their coworkers made fun of them. Uh, But I'm sure they were able to get by throughout the day. Maybe they were able to borrow some shoes or maybe they just kind of hid their shoes under their desk if they had a, a desk job. I'm sure they would have been able to get by. But now think about this. Imagine somebody went to work or went throughout the day and they didn't have their lungs. 
Or what if they didn't have the blood in their body? All of a sudden it went missing. It was just gone. This seems like an outrageous idea, right? Because it's impossible. You can go the day without your shoes, but you can't go the day without blood in your veins. You can't go the day without lungs. Friends, this is the magnitude of trying to live the Christian life without the Spirit. This is the magnitude of trying to be a church without the Spirit. It's impossible. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are Christ followers because we have the Spirit of God with us. The key to growing deeper in our relationship with the Lord, uh, to experience more of him, more love, more power, more, more healing, more experiences with him, more restoration, more transformation is through his spirit, the work of his spirit. We are helpless without the Holy Spirit. This is why the disciples needed to wait. They needed the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit, there's no power. There's no conviction. There's no transformation. There's no gifts. There's no anointing. It's a sailboat without wind. It's a car without gas. It's a baseball game without a baseball. It's impossible. The Christian life without the Spirit makes no sense whatsoever. It doesn't work. But here's the wonderful news. The wonderful news is this, is that Christianity is not a set of rules. It's a relationship. That's what we're so excited about. That's why we preach this good news. This is why Christians are so filled with joy. Not because we've figured out a, a set of rules to follow, no, because we've discovered a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a relationship, a personal relationship with God. And it comes through the power of his spirit. I wonder today, friends, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? The spirit is God and the spirit lives within us. And that's why we're able to have a personal relationship with the Lord because the Spirit of God is within us. When we give our life to Jesus because of what he did on the cross, we're given the gift of his Spirit that lives within us. It indwells within us wherever we go. The Spirit of God is with us like, like the greatest of friends. Every moment of every day, the Spirit of God is with us. We can speak with him. He speaks to us. I love how Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 says this, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells within you? John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. Friends, you can have a personal walk a personal relationship with the Lord because of what he's done for you and because of the promised gift that he is giving you, his spirit. Do you know that you can speak to the Lord? His, his spirit is, is with you. You can speak to him. Peter talks about how we can cast all of our fear, all of our anxiety upon him. We can speak to him. Matthew chapter seven says that we can come before him and we can ask of things. We can speak to our God. But even more than that, because the Spirit of God is within us, His presence is, is with us, He speaks to us. And this is the greatest privilege that we can experience here on earth. The Lord, He speaks to us. He gives us wisdom. He guides us. He directs us. Like the, the greatest friend, He, he counsels us and, and He gives us words of wisdom by His, his Spirit. 
I love in John chapter 10 how Jesus says this. He says, my sheep recognize my voice. That when we walk with the Lord, we recognize his voice as he speaks to us. Now, of course, this, this takes training. Just like any relationship, the first day you get to know somebody, the second day you know them a little bit more. But as years go by, you know them even more and more. You recognize their voice more fully. And this is the case as we walk with the Lord that we develop our our hearing for for his voice. We develop our, our ability to be able to know when he's speaking to us and we mature in it. Let me share it this way. You know, a while back, my kids answered my phone and just handed it to me. I didn't know who it was. I love when they do that. They just pick up the phone and, here, somebody's calling you. And now, now I have to talk to the person on the other line. So I, I, I answered the phone and said, hi, this is Brian. And, and, and the person on the other line said, hey, Brian, how's it going? And I got to tell you, in that moment, I didn't recognize the voice. And their number, it didn't say who it was. And, and so now I had to go on this investigation. I probably should have just asked them in the moment, who is this? But I didn't because it appeared to be a friend of mine. And so I began to ask all these questions, trying to discover who it was. And so I said, hey, you know, how's the family doing? Hoping that they'd tell me a little bit about their family and and I'd discover it, but that that led nowhere. So then I said, hey, how's your job going? They began to tell me about their job, but it didn't ring any bells. I was like, hey, how's that thing? How's that big thing you've been working on going, that hobby of yours? I was trying to do everything I could. I couldn't figure out who it was. Eventually, I had to kind of die on my sword and say, hey, listen, who is this? It was so embarrassing. But now let me tell you this. Let's say that Becca called and my kids just answered the phone and handed it to me. It would take me about one, maybe two seconds to recognize who it is. Why? Because I have years of, of, of living with her, of knowing her. I have, have years of relationship there. I can know quickly that it's her. And this is true in our relationship with the Lord as well, is that we learn to discern his voice as we open up to him, as we give him our heart and our life, as we obey him and step out in faith, as the years pass and as we mature, his voice becomes clearer and clearer. He speaks to us. Why? Because we can have a personal relationship with him. I wonder, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I remember talking about a friend of mine, his name is Jason, with my wife, Beck, and I was telling her all about him. And she says, you know what? I don't, I don't even, I don't remember this friend of yours named Jason. I've never met him. How good of a friend is he? I was like, oh, wow, man, he's, he was one of my best friends. Well, it turns out I haven't spoken to Jason in 20 years. He was my best friend. And so I'm not talking about that kind of personal relationship with the Lord, where you had this relationship with the Lord or this perceived relationship with the Lord in your past. No, I'm talking right now, are you speaking with the Lord and is he speaking with you? Are you walking with him on a daily basis? This is what the Lord wants. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. Let me tell you a quick story about Sarah. Sarah grew up going to church. She was even confirmed in the Catholic Church. She knew all the things to say. She knew when to stand up, when to sit down, when to kneel. But she left the church when she was in college. She did well in life. She ran a very successful real estate business. Uh, She built a, a beautiful home on a lake in Michigan. It was her dream home. She got married. She had two children. When you looked at her life, it seemed like she had it all. But she felt 
empty inside still. She felt guilty about this because she looked at her life and said, wow, it looks like I have everything. Why am I feeling empty inside? There was something missing. She began to attend church thinking this was it. But sadly, this didn't bring her fulfillment either. Apparently, the sermons just weren't good enough. (laughs) She asked her friend, who always seemed to be filled with joy, she asked her, you know, how do you have this joy? This friend of hers even lost her husband. Her husband passed away, but she still had this joy. And so Sarah said, what is it? Why do you have this great joy? And her friend told her, well, it's because I know Jesus. Sarah quickly jumped in. She says, yeah, I attend church too. Her friend said, no, 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 I'm not talking about attendance. I'm not talking about attending something. I'm not talking about following a set of rules. No, I, I know Jesus. I have a personal walk with Jesus. Sarah was so intrigued by this. She said, well, how do I have this personal relationship with Jesus? Her friend says, well, all you need to do is, is give Jesus your heart. Give Jesus your whole life. Surrender your life to him. Begin to follow him. Start this relationship with him. Begin to speak with him. Open your ears to to hearing from him. In that moment, Sarah decided to give her life to Jesus and said, Jesus said this prayer, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. She began to seek Jesus each and every day. She made a commitment that every day in the morning, she was gonna wake up and she was gonna say, Jesus, what do you wanna do today? She was amazed how the Lord spoke to her. This led her to great adventures. She ended up selling her lake home and she bought a coffee shop. All the proceeds went to the hungry in, in, in Michigan, in one of her towns in Michigan. She began to follow the Lord's leading. And now she, she loves being asked to speak. She often gets asked to speak. And her favorite topic to speak on is from religion to relationship because she discovered her personal walk with Jesus. Friends, I've got two questions for you as I conclude. The first question is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? You know, you can turn to Jesus right now and start that walk with him simply by saying a prayer, much like Sarah said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. You can say it right now. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Friends, if you did say that prayer, man, we'd love to know. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to walk with you. You can do, you can let us know in lots of different ways. You can click the the live prayer button and and tell one of our prayer people. You can raise your hand in in the chat. Uh, You can uh, hit the action button on the side. Let us know. We want to pray with you and walk with you. My second question is this. Are you filled with his spirit? See, I love how Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, being filled is different than believing. The Holy Spirit leads us into belief, but then we are to go on being filled with the Spirit. You can be a believer, yet be running on fumes. So I wonder, friends, right now, are you filled with the Spirit of God? How do you get filled? Quickly, let me just share a couple things. The first is this, he's willing. This is the good news. God is willing to fill you right now with his Spirit, to bring you rest to the weary, uh, to bring you fulfillment in him to bring you great joy and hope, to fill you with the presence of his spirit. The second thing I would say is this, sometimes it requires us cleaning house. Sometimes in order to be filled with the spirit, what it requires of us us is to get rid of all the junk, all the things that keep us from the Lord. You know, you might not be filled right now because you're clinging to that unforgiveness. You might not be filled right now because you're clinging to that addiction. You need to surrender those things. 
and say, Lord, I'm cleaning house. Lord, purify me. Lord, I confess these things. And now, now the Lord has has a, a place to come and the ability to come and fill you with his spirit. So the last thing you need to do is this, is simply ask, simply ask. Go before the Lord and say, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit? I'm weary, I'm running on fumes. And as you do that, I just, I know what the Lord's gonna do. He's gonna come, he's gonna bless you with the power of his spirit. And so I wanna close by praying a prayer right now, a filling prayer for anybody who who wants that. You can just receive this prayer now as we close. So Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters right now as they're listening to this, wherever they are in the country, in the world. Lord, we pray for your filling to come. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would go out into every home right now, into every location where people are are meeting and listening to this message. And Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit. Lord, for those who started their walk with you today and said, Jesus is Lord for the very first time. Lord, I pray that you would accompany that with the power and the filling of your spirit. That we would be church because we walk closely with your presence. That we would be powerful because we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And so Lord, go and fill us and send us out to be a blessing into this hurting world right now. I pray all this and I pray all this friends in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you.